0: Hey, welcome to the Two Suns Podcast. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Hope all of you guys are having a great week. Really quickly, before we get started, it would mean a lot to us if you would take a second to scroll down and hit that subscribe button. Um, later on today, we're going to be recording our reaction to Bane 3, but as usual, you and I have things to bitch and moan about as after this past Dude, week. Weekly recap. Uh, yeah. Hey, nothing better than what happened last night To the Denver Broncos, or what almost happened to the Denver Broncos, we should say, because this is something that you and I have been arguing about forever.
1: This is Jason's big bugaboo about sports right
0: now. (laughs) It is. So I am deeply bothered by the fact that... uh, Let me actually reframe this around basketball. Okay. You know what I love about basketball? Basketball players determine the outcome of basketball games. It's pretty great.
1: (laughs) Dude, the fact that you call, okay, so what we're arguing about is this, is Jason, in his heart of hearts, believes that that there should be no kicking of footballs in the game of football, which is absolutely insane, and he says that kickers are not football players, which I 100% disagree with, but Jason, I, I want to hear your take. And then I'll tell you they why you're are wrong. They are
0: football players. They're just specialists. Have you seen the, uh, have you seen the, I think I said it to you, the SNL skit where they're like, they're like, oh, I have seen it. like, we will call it football, but there will be very little. He's like, are there any, is there any kicking in football? And he's like, there's a little bit of kicking. There's a little bit of kicking.
1: <laughs> he's like, how much is it
0: worth? Sometimes one, sometimes three. Yeah. <laughs> are
1: they making fun of like when like, like colonial times? Yeah, and they're like, like, okay, <laughs> like how long is a foot? 12 inches. Okay. Like how many feet are mm-hmm. in a yard? 5,280. Yeah, in, a, <laughs> in a mile. So funny! (laughs) A nice round number of five thousand something, dude. Honestly, how could you
0: ever forget that? (laughs) Yeah, I know. The other
1: day, I like legit looked at Elena's like, "How many feet are in a mile?" And she's like, "Ah, five thousand something." It's like, why? Like, if anybody knows why, that's honestly like what we picked. Please, I I don't get it. All
0: things that Americans do, the 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 what do we call what do we call our system? It's not the imperial, the imperial system, right? Yeah. standard we don't even know yeah whatever we call our bizarro (laughs) not metric metric. last night so we had friends giving last night and i'm uh um i i was working while carly was doing it so like i finally get done with work and i go out in the room and i uh just grab like a sparkling water and i'm like hey i gotta go get ready and she's like getting the, the two dishes like the carrots and mashed potatoes or whatever ready and then she's like how many teaspoons are in a tablespoon yeah and i'm like Ah, uh, uh,
1: some. A series. <laughs> it's definitely you know, smaller. Like, yeah,
0: and, and it was three. It's three teaspoons that okay. go in a tablespoon, in case you were wondering. Okay, yeah. well, that's good to know. I almost yeah. guessed three. Mm-hmm.
1: Dude, I, okay, before we start talking about football, <laughs> actually, I there, there has been some proposed ideas in the United States, like, over time to get rid of our stupid measuring system mm-hmm. and, and to go completely metric, and I am 100% for that. Like, I understand, like, it would cost a lot of money to do that, but it's totally doable. And as, like, a woodworker, I can tell you I use centimeters versus inches whenever I possibly
0: can. Really? That's super yes. interesting. Dude, you know what?
1: Luke, so by the way, is, like, a really good wor-
0: woodworker. And I mean, like, like Thanks, I, I, I think... There's this oh Luke can do some no 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 he's like legitimately an insanely good woodworker who's deeply meticulous and like that's actually super Thanks. interesting to me dude and, use... and and,
1: and it, primarily any time that I have to um like divide something into thirds or even halves like. I cannot tell you how big of a pain in the ass it is to try and divide, let's say inches, seven inches, Three 15, 16, yeah,
0: like, what are we <laughs> even
1: doing at that point? So literally I just go to my other side of my tape measure and like, okay, like what's, what's half of four hundred and twenty? two centimeters you know what i mean it's so much easier
0: would it really be that complicated though to change wouldn't it just be like basically educational programs and then essentially swapping out street signals with both so and then essentially within two generations it would overlap where it's a
1: problem which it's already changing is like envision going to the auto store and being like i need a bolt that that's three quarters inch and they're like, well, you don't really do that anymore. Even though they would. They'd obviously have to. What, like, what, what the big change would be, which a lot of things are already going this way, like literally half of my tools in my workshop use standard era, uh, metric versus mm-hmm. uh, imperial. Like, And so, so like with an Allen wrench, like legitimately you don't even know until you start to mess with it and you're like, oh, this is metric. And mm-hmm. then you have to like switch it out, right? Yeah. But like so like, they've already started doing that. But I think that's where the cost would be is like – things that are already built within our infrastructure especially like our vehicles where i think could be you know yeah, like, unfeasible the, to change
0: yeah like if i had a 1987 toyota mm-hmm. tacoma that i love driving around in and, and i couldn't, right. i couldn't replace this shock because they could i couldn't find yeah. the bolt that so, i needed so so that's yeah. where it would be a problem anyways back to kicking yes so basically to set the stage last night Denver Broncos uh a Buffalo Bills
1: which, by the way, the Bills are just struggling. The, the Bills, the right Bills now. are
0: playing some shitty football right now. We all, all if we have, we Josh have a pick'em league, and all four of us pick the Bills. Not, yeah. not our brightest moment. So, anyway, the it's fifteen fifteen. The the Broncos score a touchdown, and Will Lutz smokes the extra point. Okay, then the Bills go down. Little bootleg from Josh Allen out to uh-huh. the left. He scores a touchdown, ties the game. Their kicker goes out. Wait, Luke and I jokingly refer to these guys as nerds for the sake of this debate. Like, yes. Our nerd is better than your nerd. Now, to be and clear, by the way, these guys are not nerds. They are professional athletes. They are excellent at their jobs. They are, I would even call them football players in some loose context.
1: Dude, Pat McAfee would kick your yeah, ass. I agree. And Pat McAfee,
0: <laughs> much better athlete than me. Anyway, the uh, uh, Will Lutz smokes the extra point. The Bills go down. They score a touchdown. They don't smoke their extra point. And so Denver is in this position now where they're trailing by one, even though they've played equally good football, if not arguably outplayed the Bills a little bit. I think so. They work their way down the field and they get into field goal range again off of this really interesting play where it's fourth down and Russell Wilson basically gets immediate pressure up the middle and Mm -hmm. just a really smart play on his part, just deliberately underthrows his receiver. Yeah. And essentially causes that classic dynamic where the DB's got his head turned and he's running full speed, and the receiver comes back to the ball. It's it's like you got to call it. It's right. tech. the receiver's coming back to the ball. The dude like basically tees off on him. It's right. a clear cut PI. Right, yeah. gets him into field goal range. Work the Which, passive
1: interference, for everyone that knows or doesn't know, like that's a huge penalty in the NFL because it's not a 15-yard penalty; it's mm-hmm. legitimately where the where the foul occurred. Exactly. So it's like that's a massive just.
0: It, it, it went from being Henry dead Harry. to rights, like yeah. uh, like literally not only fourth down, but you're in Russell Wilson's face and no one's open. Yeah. And going from there to essentially being in field goal range. So anyway, they worked the clock down. Will Lutz goes out for an easy field goal. I don't remember the distance. It Was like like 38 yards yeah. or 42 yards very or something. Manageable. It was a, it was a, a a field goal you'd expect him to make about 95% of the time. And and not only that, a chance for him to make up for the fact that he's missed I think I think he had missed two extra points in the game. Oh, but, he had, but he had missed the big one there that. when it was fifteen. Um so oh yeah that's right. He shanks the field goal. Okay. So Denver, it was loses, a little windy, right?
1: slightly right. This wasn't like a like ended up in the water boy's hands no, it, type shank. Like this is like a slight miss. It was a little windy. Yeah, I got yeah.
0: cut him some slack. But anyway, he misses the field goal. But the Bills have 12 men on the field. <laughs> Damar Hamlin ends up being the 12th. Dude, man. I know. Tough luck. Okay. So Very tough luck. Will let's get. Gets a third opportunity to not screw his team over, and he puts the the right the, the through field the upright. So now let me let me kind of paint a picture of an alternate reality where Will Lutz miss, misses the third field goal too. Okay, <laughs> so in this case, the Bills and the Broncos would have played a game of football uh-huh. in which the Broncos' offense and defense was clearly better. Okay, by some small amount, yes. but a discernible amount. But this other dude, who basically does something entirely different than any other position group on the field, couldn't do his job. Okay, and now the in, the outcome of the game would have been flipped by that. So, <sighs> like, not not a good. Why would that be, Like, imagine imagine LeBron James versus Steph Curry, Game Six of the Western Conference Semis last year, yeah. and it's ninety nine to ninety nine with thirteen seconds left, and LeBron and Steph both go over to their benches. And out comes, you know, two nerds holding their yeah, Beyblades, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then they Beyblade, like battle each other. <laughs> like literally, either that or rock paper scissors. Steph
0: Curry's in the in the in the in the postgame presser answering questions about how his Beyblader <laughs> didn't do his job. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm saying, it's like... <laughs> it's I, 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 I get your point. Here's here's why I think it's legit. Here's At some point in sports... Dude, sports, if you really think about it, are absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, like, like I envision this is how, like, the creation of basketball went. It's like, you and I are bored. We just got done bailing hay, and we're in a barn, and there's, like, a basket on the second level, and I'm just bored and just throw something into the basket. And then you go... I'm very competitive. I think I can do that better than you, pal. And then we literally <laughs> start botting each other up, trying to like throw this ball into this basket on the second like floor of like a barn. Like I honestly don't know how basketball is created, dude. The same thing with with football. At some point, dudes were like, "Yeah." And then what we're gonna do is we're gonna kick this ball through like these uprights, and yeah. then and that's gonna be the sport. So like, I'm I'm such a traditionalist, even in like my day to day life. Like that that like, I, I feel like never will i want to get rid of because it's just part of the game it's literally just it's part of the game the other thing too is is like what would you have like what what would be the scenario if field goal kicking wasn't an option like like how would you go about that would you just have to go for the hail mary like is that is that something you'd have to do or would you just have to try and like run it in from like the 30 so so here's my what's the argument
0: here's my breakdown of how i would fix the kicking problem in the nfl it's really this simple to me. Um, when you score a touchdown you get seven points unless you choose to go for two in which case you can either get six or eight depending mm. on the outcome of the play okay on the uh, on the actual um, on the actual field goal kicking situation so let's say let's say the exact same situation that the Broncos were in mm-hmm. you're down 22 to 21 and you're driving down the field you would need to be able to trade a down, and at least some amount of time on the clock, so you couldn't do it with zero zero. But you'd be able to try to down and some time on the clock for three points as long as you were inside of the opponent's twenty-five yard line. Oh my god! Okay, gosh. so hear me out. Dude, then you have, have an have automatic
1: do... win if you get within.
0: Yeah, it's like a it's like a second s- end zone. But how is that any different? How is that any different than getting into that area and then having your nerd come out onto the field and kick a? That would have to
1: be for me to even be like remotely interested in that. That would have to be like the smallest sliver of field where I would feel like that would be okay. Like it would have to be within like the five yard line. But field goals are kicked from
0: sixty yard line, sixty yards sometimes.
1: Well, maybe we should keep them.
0: See, <laughs> this is the fair point. I, here's the thing. There's no doubt that from a drama and television product standpoint, uh-huh. kicking is excellent television. Oh, like, dude, it's great. last night was literally dude, like watching game. a train wreck in in, in, in live action, <laughs> and the whole time you're like, this is beautiful. This is, you know, <laughs> like,
1: dude, that's it. It felt Like, low scoring. You're like, man, this is a great
0: game. Yeah, this no, is. No, dude, uh,
1: the Cardinals game, like, I had so much excitement watching my Cardinals finally win a, a football game, which that's a whole nother issue, actually. Um, and, and it was like super exciting to see us like have an opportunity to kick a field goal and actually do that, like, and actually win a game. Like it was, it was really fun to witness. It was, it was a fun to watch. It's it's good. I would just
0: argue it, 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 it disrupts the outcome of games and gives you a lot more games where the best football team doesn't necessarily win.
1: True. But dude, that's sports, man.
0: It is. It's true. There, there's definitely an, an element of that. I feel like it's... That's I what makes like sports
1: interesting. Th- you're that's, right. Dude, you're that's one wrong. of the reasons why but I, I like find it when football it's so much better than than like watching horse racing mm-hmm. like in horse racing like i and i know that there's some some major underdogs that win that's not the argument but most of the time there's a pretty good idea as far as who's going to win in horse racing right mm-hmm. and like there yeah there's a lot of factors and stuff like is the horse sick like how far did they have to travel is this the first time they're running on turf like a lot of factors what jockeys you know riding them but like in football it's like those variables turned up 100 degrees, mm-hmm. There's so many variables in football and basketball, and that's one of the reasons why they're so such incredible sports. Even baseball, dude, somehow the, the Diamondbacks make it to the World Series this year. It's like, what? It's because of all the variables. Mm-hmm. That's, that's baseball
0: many. definitely has the most variables out of any sport that I can think of, where like you can literally have a hard-hit ball that's an out and then yeah. you can have a, you know, some dinky grounder that goes in the right yeah, spot true. and it's a base. It is. It's pretty, know? it's baseball like, is pretty random. Even like fly balls in the outfield, there are different spots where it could be a double, whereas it's an easy, you know, a fly out for the right field. Dude. It's also, just...
1: baseball is absolutely bizarro mm-hmm. because none of the fields are the same. Yeah. Like talk about variability. Oh, wait, did you like, know
0: that soccer is like that too, though? No. Uh, In apparent, I learned this from Ted Lasso. What? All the soccer fields are different sizes in Europe. Isn't that crazy? Stop. Yeah, I had no clue.
1: That's crazy. No way. Shout
0: out Ted Lasso, dude.
1: That's crazy. Yeah. Watch that. Like all the producers of that. Like, can you believe that people actually believe in this shit? (laughs) We told them that all the soccer fields are different sizes, and people are running around saying this now. (laughs) No, like, no, I believe you. I believe you though. The
0: I want to hear your guys' opinion though. If you think that uh, the uh, the that football could do without kicking. I want to hear it in the comments. If you feel, if you pro please, side of this, if
1: any comment that we've asked you to make, like please make this mm-hmm. one because I want to just shove it in Jason's <laughs> face.
0: So uh, I was I was watching a Instagram clip from my buddy uh, Mark Titus who works at Barstool Sports and he had this. Um, I wish I could remember his name, but one of his friends on uh, another barstool employee, and he made this interesting take the other day. He goes like, most NFL games are bad games, huh. meaning like. Let's just take last night for example. Okay, like if you like if you love football the way we love football, sure, then we can sit and enjoy that game. Right, Don't get right. me wrong; like, I enjoy an ugly football game. Yeah, but like there are a lot of ugly football games where, like, you know, for instance, Aaron Rodgers could be playing for the Jets, and it could it could be against you know the let's just say the New York Giants, mm-hmm. and, and let's say that. Uh, the Giants made some sort of trade, and they had a good quarterback instead of Daniel Jones. Okay, oh. so there you have two good quarterbacks standing behind two atrocious offensive lines. Yeah, okay, that is going to be a horrible game to watch because all game long it's going to be like another third, and, another third and eight. And here's Aaron Rodgers throwing the ball at the foot of a receiver who's triple-covered. Right. You know, because, like, literally has no time to, for anything yeah. to develop. either that or
1: he's sacked four times in the first quarter. A- exactly. Yeah. And,
0: and, and, like, there's some truth to that because I would argue that, uh, like, the NBA lacks urgency. Mm-hmm. But the actual, like, day-to-day basketball product is more consistently entertaining just in terms of, like, what's happening on the screen. It's right. an urgency thing. And that's the thing is, like... like Football has so much working for it in terms of urgency, correct, and and even some of like the the physical element of it, the visceral, you know, kind of violent nature of the game. But it, like it does get ugly sometimes. It just, it, which I do think, I, it, it is amazing how much of a mass appeal it has, considering how many football games are ugly. I thought that was a super interesting take,
1: dude. It is. Mm-hmm. No, I told. Yeah, I. I... And I'm down for the ugly football game, like what you just said. Like mm. I'm, I'm all for it. Versus like an ugly basketball game, like ooh, like those are tough to watch. College
0: basketball games,
1: dude. Oh, okay, College this is actually really, This
0: is actually a really nice transition. So we yeah, put on okay. our um, on our list of things that we wanted to hit from this past week. So. University of Arizona is now the third ranked team in the country according to the AP poll and
1: the coaches poll. Which uh, you know, take that with a huge grain of salt because it's college basketball and, and they played like one or two games. Or two yeah, I think, yeah, I think I
0: think they played three. So, quick and background. we literally
1: went from seventeen to three overnight. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's pretty aggressive.
0: We um, we so I'm from Tucson, born and raised originally. Lucas from Prescott, Arizona, which is about three and a half hours to the north of here, or about an hour and a half north of Phoenix. Okay. And uh, to give you guys an idea, the University of Arizona men's basketball team is basically the professional sports team in Tucson. Like the football team has been bad for so long. Although shout out the Arizona Wildcats, bowl eligible this year, eight and three, another huge win over Colorado. Mm-hmm. Um, I think – no, they're 7-3, and, and they have two games left. They play Utah, and they play Arizona State. Arizona State, yeah. And if, and if, if they win those both – like, they still have this – They like, can make it to the championship. They can, but it would require Oregon to drop two games, which isn't going to happen. You so, uh, but – Sports, that, variability. Sports, yeah. We <laughs> hey, just need Oregon's nerd to make a bunch of mistakes <laughs> in the, down the stretch of the season. So, anyway, but the basketball team more or less has been – you know, it gets – it's like – those of you guys who live in real sports towns know the feeling, but it's like, it's, it's a conversational topic, but like you go to the dentist, you can talk to him about the Arizona yes. basketball team. You got like, I did a job dude. interview at this company one time and literally like got in with a dude who was interviewing me just cause I could talk Arizona basketball with him. You yeah. know,
1: like you, you have that ability. To your point, like, uh, we, we, cause I'm building a new table at our house and so we sold my old table <clears> and we're literally lugging this massive table out. And I'm like, hey, what about those wildcats? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> and then we're like carrying this table out, and the guy's like, yeah, they're pretty good. Like, Dude, that what's what so is weird pretty about sick. sports, to yeah. your yeah. point. Like, 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 we're literally like, 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 straining over this yeah, table. And it's, it's a one solid of those wood table. Solid
0: two by eights you know, Dude, across the top and like just solid rid- legs. Yeah. Ridiculously yeah.
1: heavy. And like, we're talking basketball <laughs> to some guy I've never met before, some guy we will never talk to again. Yeah. yeah, anyways. No, yeah. Carry so on. That,
0: that's the way Arizona basketball is. So, like, I will say, because I followed this team pretty religiously outside of just the last couple of years because one Sean Miller in my opinion is a scumbag he it's a long story but he uh one of my friends actually played for him and he lied to him it's a whole thing so uh anyway uh, Sean Miller was a
1: previous uh, basketball coach for the yes. University of Arizona by the
0: way disgracefully let go by the U of A for, yeah. for breaking rules and all this other stuff he's at, now he's at Xavier but uh 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 so we get Tommy Lloyd from Gonzaga a guy who basically was working under Mark Few forever and just a, just an excellent basketball coach mm. um and I don't actually watch college basketball that closely because of my job I just I don't have the time but I know some people who do that I trust and and I was talking with one of them Sam Vecini, who who works for the athletic and He actually watched the Duke Arizona game, uh, from a, the the same way that I do when I'm working. So like he watched Mm. it very closely from a tactical approach and basically, uh, he said Tommy Lloyd just coached circles around John Shire in that game. Uh, and he actually pulled pulled some clips and showed how like there was this specific big dude who played for Duke that we just completely ignored Uh down the stretch of the game and left him alone to double team wherever the ball was. And like all this other stuff that was, uh, messing up Duke's offense and getting us going and. And then the other part of it is, like, this particular lineup, they've got a bunch of specific archetypes of players that I really like. Like, we have Caleb Love, which is, like, your irrational confidence guard, which I think is, like, something you have to have – in order to be like a team that has a chance to win in the tournament, you Correct. have to have an irrational confidence guard. Because they have to get a little hot. Yeah, they have to get hot. They have to yeah. be crazy enough to take the big shot, mm-hmm. but at the same time, smart enough to make the right play if it's there. He made a huge pass at the end of the
1: Duke game underneath the basket. Dude, for his a foul. free throw shooting at the end of the game was incredible. Super. Yes. What I also like about him before you talk about the next player is like I love the fact that he's played at grand stages already. Like, mm-hmm. He came from UNC, which is a massive basketball program. Like, yes. The fact that he moved from UNC to U of A is absolutely absurd. And, yeah. And it's totally cool to have him on the team.
0: Absolutely. And like when you when you couple that too, with the fact that he's a kind of a top-tier athlete for yes. a guard, like he's a very athletic guard, which that is specifically important when it comes to like contending at the point of attack defensively, holding up on the glass. Like there's a bunch of specific things he can do that a lot of guards struggle with. And then when you go to uh Boswell and Larson, mm. these are two basically like top-tier athletes at their position as well that are like Excellent perimeter defenders, but also both of them can shoot, and that's important because we've had versions of this where we have really good perimeter defenders on the team that can't knock down a shot. Very even keel as well. Yes,
1: like uh, like Boswell is like what eighteen years old? Mm -hmm. Are you kidding? He was playing at seventeen last year, so now he's got like a little bit of experience under his belt. He's a true. He's a sophomore, right? Yeah, he's a sophomore. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and then and then he's like running this offense, and he's doing it so calmly and confidently and dude yeah he can he can take the ball in my guy yeah that 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 reverse finish he had when
0: he took that bump he so that's the difference between him and Caleb Love and and uh Pella Larson because like Larson's more of your like traditional like kind of you know, like we've had a bunch of these at Arizona, like Josh Green, Nick Johnson, like they're mm-hmm. like 6'3", kind of like built strong two guards. Um, but like uh, Boswell is more of like a wide body. like Yes. Legit, he's pro- I haven't seen his weight, but I'm sure he's about 220 pounds-ish. Like he's a big, strong guard. That For specifically sure. helps because like this lineup technically is a little small. It's like a three-guard lineup. Before we get to Kishat Johnson, who's this like... To me, like this reincarnation of Andre Iguodala, just this like long arm, freaky athlete that just plays hard all the time and can like do all this little yeah. stuff offensively. And then Omar Balo, who was basically a, a development project um, brought over from Gonzaga with Tommy Lloyd, mm-hmm. who has done a really nice job, just kind of like polishing up some of the specific things he used to struggle For with, sure. making passes out of the post, the um, little right-handed jump hook, and then his free throw shooting is looks yeah. to be better this year compared to where it was. And so when I look at that core group of five guys. That actually checks more boxes than I can think of, like, of any recent U of A team. I totally agree. We've had teams with better top-end talent, guys that are lottery picks, but they just haven't panned out because, to me, there's a huge difference between, like, NBA potential and the ability to impact winning at the college level Oh, for sure. So, uh, yeah, to put a bow on it. This is a fun UVA team. We'll talk about them periodically super, throughout super the impressed. year. Um, I I think I think that specific lineup has some real potential if they can stay healthy. Yeah. Um. You had mentioned some drama in Vegas with F one. Yeah, dude. You so go over that real quick?
1: Uh, yeah, we'll just uh, chat about that really, really quick before we get into Bane three. Um. So so. Uh, F one is is growing rapidly in the United States and, and across the world, right? Which is which is cool. We talked about this previously. It's, it's an awesome awesome sport. It's super complicated, uh, engineering at its finest, um, competition at its finest, where these dudes are literally hurtling them, themselves in cars at hundreds of miles an hour, like like touching wheels together. It's 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 an incredible sport, um, and because of that, they're trying to to essentially have, like, really strong roots in the United States. And, and it's almost, like, overboard at this point. Like, we have three races in the United States this year, Miami, Vegas, and Austin. And they went into Vegas, and there's actually been a, a lot of issues with Vegas. Uh, that's an upcoming race on the 18th. And uh, there's been all this issues, all these issues because apparently the locals hate it like it's been awful for them day to day because they're literally closing down the entire strip in order to make it a race-worthy surface. Wait, are they racing through the strip? They're they're racing in like the heart of Las Vegas. That's insane. Yes. Yeah. So it's like really really cool and it's something that that F1 does. And but it's like really really cool because like these cars are so finely tuned like these these street circuits is what they're called. Like they have to be really nice and then the, so they have to resurface the, yes. the ground okay yeah. so, so they're like, literally have to like, like re all this yes, stuff. yes. wow yeah. um so so the locals are pissed and then there's all this drama too because vegas is is going through like um massive efforts in order to try and block the track from like passer buyers hmm. which is totally reasonable like uh, people are complaining about this it's like no it totally makes sense that you wouldn't want a thousand people congregating on some walkway bridge in Vegas trying to get a glimpse of the race for free. Like, obviously that's a problem from like, even like a safety standpoint, you know? Um, so, but the issue is, is, is the, the Vegas tickets, uh, were more expensive in a lot of ways than Monaco. Jeez, man! Yes, like the Monaco Grand Prix, which is where like <laughs> money is thrown around. Mega yachts park at the Monaco Grand Prix just to watch it from like their pool, which is on the third level of Up some there, mega yacht. yacht, covered in teak wood. <laughs> like, like, and then they're more expensive, like per per ticket, essentially, than than uh, Monaco at, at Vegas. Like, the entrance fee essentially is like two thousand bucks. To, to watch to, to watch the Vegas Grand Prix. So they've realized like nobody's buying tickets. So they've shut down the strip. They've pissed off locals. They thought all this money was going to get thrown around in Vegas. And it's not getting thrown around. And, and there's all these available tickets all of a sudden. And it's like race week, essentially. <sighs> so now they've cut prices. I've The last article that I read was down to 60% of the original cost. I've heard as low as 80% wow. of, of ticket uh, original ticket price. And it's just super interesting because it's just like, how sustainable is Vegas for, for F1? So far, it does not seem like it's very sustainable.
0: Well, and again, like when there's that much overhead, like I, I, I always look at that uh, in every industry, like when you start to, to see the big dollar amounts get thrown around, yeah. like how how is that uh, counterbalanced by just the sheer amount of
1: overhead that comes into yeah. basically
0: reconfiguring a city? Dude, like, and, and, and oh, that's
1: the other thing too. Uh, apparently some of it is on the back of taxpayers. Oh <laughs> so, God. So here we go. Like, don't quote me on that, but I think that's what I read. So people are pissed. And just like ask yourself this one last question. Let's say, Jason. You're a millionaire. Where are you gonna go watch F one? Monaco. Monaco. Yeah. yeah, you're gonna of go course. to Monaco. You're gonna go to Austria. You're gonna go to Italy. Like you're gonna go to like all these badass places. Let's, like, and if you do go to one of these other venues, let's say like uh, uh, Austin, like you can still have an amazing race experience and still enjoy it. Whereas, how like, much
0: how much would you say that Austin cost relative to? A oh, ticket to, like Vegas or Monaco.
1: Oh, like how much does a ticket cost? Yeah. Uh, so probably – so there's grandstands. There's like lawn tickets. Um, you're looking at a solid 500 bucks to get into – to get into Austin to the big, Grand Prix
0: wait the Austin one was 500 bones
1: dude in comparison to 2000 for jeez, for, man dude, and, and so and that's what was crazy but about, you were like you were there for like 4 days though right yeah. so, okay. and so and basically
0: it comes out to like 125 a day yes
1: yeah. but and, and like you get you get it like packages right so like uh, for example like ours we got free access to the Killers concert and, and Queen concert not that like <laughs> I was driving to Austin for either one of those but the Killers like like I said man they, they throw a good show yeah. but so you, you get you get a lot of experience for that like you get to walk around um and like you can seat yourself at whatever corner you want so like we for for the sprint uh we sat at corner number one which is famous for for like small crashes like minor crashes so we're like hey if there's gonna be a crash not that we are hoping for a crash but if there's gonna be a crash like let's check it out and and thankfully no crashes happened, uh, but it was really cool because you could just literally just walk around the track as these cars were going around. It's so sick.
0: <laughs> we went to go see where the crashes
1: are. Yeah. But th- thankfully there was no crashes. Yeah, you get my point. You get my point. Like if there's going to be one, like check it out. Thankfully, thankfully that's like a relatively slow corner compared to like some of the other parts of the tracks. Like no one would die. Like I wouldn't mm-hmm. want to go watch someone die in front of my mm-hmm. eyes. But like for example, like there was one uh, spin out that happened over that weekend, and it was Max Verstappen of all people. And he spun out right in front of us. And that's it was cool. insane to see him like spin in the F one car. He did not even touch the wall. Wow. He literally spins his car, I think, twice and then gets it going forward again and just drives off like <laughs> nothing had happened. Dude, Max Verstappen is an absolute madman. Well, and like talk about saving millions of dollars in engineering legitimately, costs. But... Legitimately. Legitimately. Wow. Yeah. So that's F one right now. Mm-hmm. But we'll we'll see if it sticks in uh Vegas. That's super interesting. Yeah.
0: All right, guys, that is all we have for this particular episode. Like I said, keep an eye on the feeds. We'll release the Bane episode that we're about to record here in just a few days. Thanks a lot.